Come on, it feels good to be back in the building. Feels good to be with all you wonderful students. If you could turn the echo down, that would be great. TJ, if you can hand me my Bible right there. Oh, God is good. Man, did I miss being in the presence of the Lord with you guys. <laughs> there is something special about Monday chapels, man. Something so special, and I'm just so glad that we can be together again. I know I said it like three times, but I'm just really glad. <laughs> oh, today, I have the honor of sharing a message with you that was just on my heart. Um, I believe that it's a message that will just challenge all of us and help all of us. Um, I believe the title is, what's the title? Avoid the Traps. Come on, everybody say that. Avoid the Traps. Avoid the Traps. It's always so exciting to start a new trimester, right? We have, we got the newbies in their first trimester ever of Bible college. Hey, we got our second years, people who have been doing this for a while are used to it, right? You guys got the hang of it now. You used to be like them, kind of like, what just happened to my life? <laughs> and then you got our third years. <laughs> They're very quiet. They're very, very, oh, I'm, and then you got our sixth years. <laughs> Hey, sometimes it takes some, some people a little bit longer, but what matters is that you finish. That's it, that you finish what you started. So we are proud of even our sixth year student. <laughs> but everybody's on a different time, right? Some of you just started, a lot of you are like deer in headlights, like I got a lot of assignments, I didn't know Bible college was gonna be like this. I'm a little scared, should I quit now? Like what, what did I just sign up for? got all this ministry, I got all these things to do, I didn't have to do this before. And then you got our graduates who are like senioritis, like, man, <laughs> I really got to turn these assignments in. But it's exciting because for you guys, you have a while to go, you can dream about the things that God wants you to do, and at the same time you see these guys are literally producing ministries out of their heart, about to graduate. And it is powerful to see what God has done in this cohort with all of our students. And I want to make sure that no matter where you are on your journey, no matter who you are, we have to make sure that we understand that there is an enemy out there that hates us. There is a devil out there that hates you, hates your call, hates your family, hates everything about you because you remind him of God because you're made in the image of God, and now here you are as the image of God, answering the call of God on your life, that puts a bigger target on your back. So I don't want you to think it's strange when you come into Bible college, and then all of a sudden things don't start working out for you. There's a whole big mess, whether your family's against you, whether you know you 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 experience things that we don't even we pray to God that they don't happen, death in the family or whatever. We've seen it all. We've seen it all in this cohort. Because as soon as you receive that call and answer that call, of course. Don't think it's strange. Of course things are gonna go bad for you. Don't 
think it's strange. I know I'm talking to some newbies up in here who think, man, what the heck just happened to my life? I said yes to God and everything's going crazy. I thought everything was supposed to be perfect now. Newbies, second year, she's, what are you doing? Oh, gosh. Can you help them, TJ? Can you help the girls on this side of the room, please? Oh, Jorge's the hero. You don't, we don't need TJ. We got Jorge. <laughs> That's right. Sorry, Jorge. I totally overlooked him. Like, we need TJ over there right now to take care of this. <laughs> but good job, Jorge. All right. So 1 Peter 5.8 tells us to be alert and sober-minded because the enemy, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. The Bible tells us that his main ambition is to steal, kill, and destroy. Thank you. He look, walks around looking for someone to devour, someone to destroy. And just because you're a Bible college student doesn't mean that you're exempt from that, and either am I. Looking for how he can plant seeds into your heart. Looking how he could trap you, either now or in the future. But praise God. Come on, say praise God. Praise God, praise God because you're covered by the blood of Jesus. Praise God because he might be able to try to trap you, but he can't touch you. Praise God because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Come on, say praise God. It is an honor and a privilege to be able to serve God during the times that we're living in right now. It is crazy out there. Have you ever read the book of Revelation? Have you ever read Matthew 24? Because you would be like, something's happening out here right now. It's crazy. But it is an honor to be able to serving God right now. Because the darker it is, the brighter we shine. And you are shining right now for Jesus. So don't lose that shine. Amen. Let's go to Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. This is a famous passage. We've heard it many times talking about the armor of God. But I want you to know that the secret to the success in ministry is in this passage right here. The secret to your success in Bible college lies in this passage right here. 10, 6, 10, good. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you could take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that you, oh, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation. Come on, put it on your head. Helmet of salvation. <laughs> and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God right here. Come on. The secret to success in ministry lies within this passage. And we have been able to have so many students come through this, this place 
And so many walk out the door not to finish their assignment here. Some of them newbies, some of them just graduated, some of them about to be given the keys to the kingdom, <laughs> the keys to the ministries of MPI here. It's all for you, laid out. You want to be a children's pastor? Go right ahead. You want this mic? Come stand on the stage. But no. And you have to wonder, what happened to their armor? Where did they put it? It was defective. <laughs> they forgot to put the helmet on. Maybe they had the shield, but they didn't have the helmet, and they kept hearing the lies of the enemy, and then their worldview was challenged, and then they started to have maybe a different worldview, so they got their shoes on, but they forgot to put the helmet on. They didn't have the sword. They're picking and choosing what type of battle they're going to have. They're a defective Christian. Come on, the storms are going to come, you guys. We have been through some things since we've been together here. And things that we never thought we would be through. Who thought December 31st, 2019, we were about to skip into the, all that we did? All of us were like, all right, three, two, one, happy new year. And then it's like, oh, I want to go back to 2019. <laughs> let's, let's do over. <laughs> do over on the happy new year part. Come on. The storms of life will come. We've told you this so many times. I mean, me, myself, I went through a storm. I went through cancer. I've gone through different things. We have so many testimonies of, in this church of people who have gone through things and gotten through them by the grace of God. But the storms of life will always reveal who's really bowdy-bowdy. And sometimes the people that you think are the strongest are actually the weakest among us. And sometimes the ones that you think are weak and you're overlooking them, they're actually the strongest among us. Come on, that's a huge lesson. There's something inside of people, like a Malia, like a Marco. They bowdy bowdy. Say, I'm bowdy bowdy. That's right. You don't even know how, what that means. How old are you? Okay, well, I'm old. Bowdy bowdy means like you're about it. You're, you're about it, okay? That's 1990s. Cool talk, right? <laughs> it's not cool anymore. <laughs> like, stop that right now. All right. But there are four things that I just want to point out in this scripture that we read before I get into some other things of how to avoid the traps that the devil can set up for you. Number one, it tells us to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You are not strong without Jesus. You cannot do this on your own. You'll never be able to do this on your own. Stand in the power of God. Be strong in the Lord. It's not about you. Number two, the devil is a schemer. He's sneaky. It's a sneaky snake. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He will set up traps waiting for you to take the bait. He doesn't come to you with horns on his head and say, I'm the devil and I'm here to tempt you. No, he's sneaky. He's a schemer. Number three, you can't stand firm without your battle gear. You never see a good sergeant putting soldiers into war without the right gear. They have to have the right weapons. They have to have the right helmet. They have to have the right shoes. They have to have the bulletproof vest. We're not going to send soldiers into the field without their battle gear. You 
are in the battle of the Lord, okay? You're a soldier in the army of the Lord. You need your battle gear because we already learned you're not fighting against flesh and blood. You're fighting against authorities and powers and dark forces in the heavenly realms. That is your assignment. So put on your battle gear. And number four, I don't even know if I, I, I read this part. I think it's number, uh, verse 18. But you need to pray in the spirit on all occasions. So you see something going wrong. Do you know what Christians should be doing right now? right? That's what Christians should be doing right now. When you see the world falling apart, when you see things going wrong in your family, in your life, when you're discouraged, do you know what you're supposed to do? Come on. Build up your innermost faith. That's what the Bible says do. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. All what does all mean? All, all occasions, no matter what is happening. If Biden is our next president, what are Christians supposed to do? They're supposed to speak in tongues and speak, pray in the spirit, even on that occasion. Come on. That is our assignment. We are not too big in this place to be trapped by the devil, to be trapped and to be snuffed out of the plan that God has for our life. Many of you in this room have even experienced it. You've seen people come and go. You saw people that you thought would never go, go. It doesn't have to be you, but you have to know that you're not too big for this. We've watched people from the new all the way to the old, and then we hear stories about it all the time. You could be 50 years in ministry and boom, fall. So I'm going to go over just a few traps that I've seen in people's lives in this church. It's obviously not a full list. All of these things can be a, a, a sermon of their own, but we're going to go through them quickly so that you can understand how to not get trapped. Number one, it's the fear of man. Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. We see right there that when you are fearing man, you're already not trusting in God. That's it. You're too concerned of what people think about you, too concerned about what your, your pastors are going to say or this person's going to say, that you start kind of tiptoeing, not being yourself, not being the same person you are behind doors in front of people. You start fearing man. Listen, man cannot do anything to you. There's a God in heaven, though, that could throw your soul into hell. That's the one that you have to fear. Don't fear me. Don't fear Pastor Joe. We're people. We have to fear God too. Come on. Those who, are not, not, those who fear man are not trusting in the Lord. One of the ways that we see this in people's life is through hidden sin. It's not the only way, but it is one. Because say they look at pornography and all of a sudden it's like, well, I'm not going to tell anyone. I don't really want them to. I've been doing so good. I don't want to tell them because maybe they're going to see me different or maybe they're going to tell on me. Maybe I'm going to get a letter. You know, I don't, I don't want to deal with that right now. Y'all don't know about the letters yet. <laughs> but you keep it hidden. And then one time turns into two times, turns into three times, and all of a sudden you're addicted to pornography again. You could be a married man or you could be a single man. It doesn't matter. But you have the fear 
of man. You have the fear of your wife, which is a real thing. <laughs> Tell us, Lawrence, is it a real thing, fear of your wife? <laughs> he said, yeah. <laughs> fear of your wife, fear of, your, fear of man. Trying to please man over pleasing God. And all of a sudden, in someone's life that's married, a, a, a simple little pornography slip-up, which is not simple, don't do it, stay far away from sin, shun evil all the days of your life, you never have to look at pornography again. But one slip, one mistake, instead of confessing it and making it right, it literally can turn into like adultery. A man can literally go and, and find a prostitute, go do some crazy things. And you guys, we've heard these stories. It starts small. It's a trap. I fear what they're going to say about me. You're living for the affirmation of men. It don't matter what I think about you, though I think you're all wonderful. It does not matter. What matters is that when you die, you're standing before a holy God. So you better get right. Don't fear man. Amen? Everything in the dark comes out to the light anyways. We know that. We see it in Scripture. We see it even in our world right now, all this pedophilia garbage, all these big-name people that think they can get away with anything. Eventually, it don't matter if it takes 10, 20, 30 years. It comes to the light. Everything's coming to the light, baby. You want to know why? Because there's no secrets. Because there's a God that sees everything. And that is how I live my life. And I always remind myself of that. No matter where I am, the Holy Spirit is with me, and he's aware of what I say, what I think, and what I do. So fear God. Avoid the trap. Amen? Amen. Number two, feelings. Feelings, feelings, feelings. <laughs> Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? And some of you, I can already prove to you, you can't understand it if you have ever met a woman do y'all know some women in your life? <laughs> I don't even understand me. I don't even understand my own feelings sometimes. Girls, come on. You got a lot of feelings, right? Can you understand your feelings all the time? It's like, I don't know why I'm crying. I'm just crying because I feel like I need to cry. <laughs> come on. If you want to live according to your feelings, those feelings, I promise you, will lead you to hell. Proverbs 28, 26 says, Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Feelings just want to be felt. So when you have feelings, feel them and then submit them to the will of God. Submit them to Jesus. Feelings is what got Moses so angry to kill the Egyptian. Feelings is what got David so excited to make him sleep with a woman that was not his wife, Bathsheba. Feelings is what led Peter to disown Jesus three times. It was a little fear of man, too. But feelings, 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 feelings. I remember Pastor Joe preached a message one time. He said, attach your emotions to Jesus and you'll have emotional stability. It's as simple as that. Plug in. Those who are led by their emotions and by their feelings are very easy to spot. They are consumed with how they feel. You could say, I love you, and they'll be like, but I don't feel like you love me. It's like, <laughs> you're wrong in this situation, but I don't feel wrong. Bro, your feelings are lying to you. 
After a while, you just want to tell them, like, I don't care how you feel. It's the truth. Now submit yourself to God, to your leaders, and close your mouth. Come on. Feelings, feelings, feelings. I feel, I feel, I feel. Your feelings are liars. Okay? Number three. Say number three. This one's a big one. Offense. Proverbs 19, 11 says, Good sense makes on slow to anger, and it is to his glory to overlook an offense. Good sense. It makes you think before you react. It makes you slow down for a, se- a second instead of hearing what someone says and instantly feeling offended. It makes you step back, assess the situation, and say, let me give them the benefit of the doubt. Let me think before I react so that I don't get into a trap of offense and that leads me down to a bitterness that hardens my heart and takes me away from the Lord. It's to your glory, it is to your credit to overlook an offense. And let's be honest, all of us can be offended all the time if we want it to be, over everything. Everything could offend us. The way people look at us, the way people said something to us, the way they walked by us and didn't say hi, which is going to be my next story. But ultimately, it will make your heart hard. Come on, I remember someone... (laughs) There was, it was a long time ago, you don't even know this person, you can't even think of who I'm talking about. But there was when we used to do the kids, King's Kids in the back, and I must have been busy. I walked into the foyer, forgot something, turned around, walked back to the kitchen, and somebody was in the foyer that I did not see, and I didn't say hi to them. And this person was very easily offended, I mean, about everything. It was very, very rough to deal with people like that. I'm sure you guys have already experienced that if you are not that yourself. (laughs) Get over it. But (laughs) it's not easy to deal with somebody that's always offended, always thinking about themselves in that way. But why, instead of giving me the benefit of the doubt, instantly it was like, she doesn't like me, she has an attitude, and she's mean because I didn't say hi I wonder if she would have tried to say hi if I would have been like, hey, what's up? Right? Sometimes people like to put things out as a fence, but we have to teach people, hey, it's okay for you to be the one to come to me and give me a hug. Say hello. And I have gotten better because I don't want to hurt people's feelings. But, dude, don't be offended over everything. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Know that they love you, that they care for you, they want the best for you. And if you were to come to them at any moment, give them a phone call, do whatever, we would be there for you in a drop of a second. So think of those things on, on the days that you're like, hmm, I wonder why they're acting like that. I wonder why they have that look on their face, that kind of stuff. Let's be mature. Amen? Come on. I feel like it's so important to have those conversations, too. Um, There are so many stories I can think of in my head that I'm not going to get into of people that have left our church in offense. And these are people that we have trusted, that we have honored, that we have given a position to. People that literally, if they were to come up and take the mic, I literally would give them the mic and take a seat and hear what they have to say because we believe that they can hear from the Lord. And yet, one thing happens. Instead of having a conversation, they allow offense to get into their heart. They allow themselves to be trapped. 
and then it turns into bitterness, and it turns into a hard heart, and then they leave with offense and bitterness, and they still think that they're right with God. If you have offense and bitterness in your heart, you are not right with God. The Bible even says in Matthew 5 that if you think somebody has, a brother or sister has something against you, go to them and make it right before you bring your gift to the altar. How much more if you have something against somebody else? You have a, an offense against somebody else and the other person has tried to make it right, tried to have a conversation, and you still walk out of this place with offense and bitterness in your heart and you are so blinded by the devil right now that you can't even see that you're full of offense. But to a person that is discerning, as soon as they hear them talk, they'll be like, dude, you're full of the devil. You have taken the bait of Satan, and you have allowed him to trap you in this place. You are not right with God. Have a conversation, all of you. If you ever feel offended with anybody, I promise you, if we have done something wrong, we will apologize. And that is as easy as it is. How many think, like, in your marriages, you do something wrong, you say, I'm sorry, I forgive you. That's as easy as it is in other relationships, too. But it is to your glory to overlook an offense. It is to your glory. It is to your credit to say, man, I'm just going to give them the benefit of the doubt right now. Amen? Amen. And I would encourage all of you to read the book, Bait of Satan. It talks about offense and bitterness. It's a great book. Number four, what have we said so far? Number one, what would you say? Fear of man. Very good. I owe you a gift card, don't I? Sorry, <laughs> I do. She was the first one to fill out a form. Everybody's like, yeah, I know. I know, I'll be first next time. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you know who wasn't first to fill out the form? <laughs> Hold on. You want to know who was last to fill out the form? <laughs> Just kidding. Put you on blast. <laughs> so number one, Malia, fear of man. Number two, feelings. Number three, offense. And number four, pride. Proverbs 16, 8. It says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. C.S. Lewis called pride the great sin. I want you to turn with me to 2 Chronicles 26. This is a story about Uzziah, Uzziah, is that how you say it? Uzziah, that's how I'm going to say it. King of Judah. He became king at 16 years old. So much favor on his life. He heard from the Lord. He feared the Lord. He, he gave his, his everything to the Lord. He sought the Lord. And I want to go down to verse 15. In Jerusalem, he made devices invented for use on the towers and on the corner defenses so the soldiers could shoot arrows and hurl large stones from the wall. I mean, this guy was dope. He was who you wanted to be. He was awesome. His fame spread far and wide, for he was greatly helped until he became powerful. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. 
He was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. So here you have this guy that becomes the king at 16 years old, does amazing things, builds towers, does awesome things for these armies, is seeking the Lord, is fearing the Lord, all of this stuff. He becomes in power. His fame gets out there. And how many people have we seen that happen to with preachers, huh? They start small, they get big, and all of a sudden they stop preaching the real gospel, and all of a sudden they're driving Ferraris, and there's nothing wrong with Ferraris, but if you're going to have a Ferrari off of people's money that you're pimping and not preaching the right gospel to, then you need to be careful, right? Come on. (laughs) Name them. You got a nice car, though, man. That's a nice car. See, those cars are supposed to be for the righteous, okay? (laughs) Yes. You go ahead and get yourself a Ferrari, but make sure you're not compromising the gospel in the midst of it. So here you have this king. All of a sudden, he gets a name for himself. People are hearing about him, all the good that he's doing, and he becomes prideful. And instead of going to the Lord that gave him all of these things beforehand, he turns against him and says, "Eh, I don't really need to pray anymore. I don't really need to read my Bible anymore. I'm already a pastor. I'm already leading crusades. I'm already on TV, on the radio. I don't need to do that anymore. I only needed those things until I got to the spot that I'm in. Now I can let it go. Pride will be your downfall. The biggest example of pride is the devil, right? We saw him. He was made in glory. He was given everything. He could have had such great relationship with God, the Father, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I mean, he was there. But he was prideful. I can be like God. Bro, you've been created by God. How are you going to be like the thing that created you? It's the same thing with us. When we get pride in our heart, all of a sudden I could be like God. I don't need to pray anymore. I don't need him anymore. Come on, he started doing some naughty things. He started going in there. It's really, in our mind, not that naughty, but he was disobedient. It wasn't his right to go and burn incense. That was only made for certain individuals. And they fought, They found him and told him, you're not supposed to do this. This is for the priests. So he got leprosy for the rest of his life. Don't do it, y'all. You'll get leprosy for the rest of your life. <laughs> pride will make you stupid. I'm telling you, pride will make you real stupid. You have everything at your fingertips. And I'll tell you right now, you are in a church that there is an inheritance here for you. It might not be an inheritance of riches and gold, but I'm telling you, you have an inheritance in the kingdom in this house. And pride will take you out. Pride will stop you from getting the inheritance that is meant for each and every one of you because you already made a bid. You could do it by yourself. You don't need this church. You don't need these pastors. You don't need these guys. I mean, they've been talking into my life for my whole life. They help restore me. They help restore my marriage. I mean, they meet with me for counseling when my marriage is going bad, and, and they, they don't put my sin out there, but pff, forget them. I don't need Pastor Joe. I don't need Lauren all up in my business. Come on. We have seen things happen in this church. When you see pride, you know destruction is coming not far behind. There are so many people that didn't want to do things according to the way that our leadership is set up. And I want to tell you something. There's sometimes protocols that we put into place that may not be um, things that make sense to you, but I'm telling you it is a God thing because it exposes people's hearts in our church. The moment we start putting certain things in place as people, the hearts are exposed. It's a God thing. 
So I know sometimes you can look and be like, man, another protocol? Why do they want us to do this? Why is this like this? It doesn't make sense why we have to do this. Trust the Lord. Trust God. Because he's doing something in this place. Come on, we've watched people. I don't want the leadership. I got gifts. I have charisma. People are following me. I don't need church discipline. I don't need to do what Pastor Joe's telling me to do. I don't need to do what Lauren is telling me to do or whoever else, elder, deacon, is telling me to do. I'm going to do it my way. So forget this, church. I'm going to go start my own. And right now, sometimes when things like that happen, sometimes we're a little bit deceived ourselves and they can look blessed, right? We're like, wow, they're still going. Just blessed. <laughs> I heard a, a sermon the other day by Jeremiah Johnson. <laughs> and he said, there's a difference between things that the Lord blesses and the things the Lord inhabits. Y'all don't even get it. There are th there's a difference between the things that the Lord blesses. The blessing is upon the wicked and the righteous. It rains on the wicked and the righteous. The sun shines on the wicked and the righteous. The blessings of the Lord are for everyone because they have air in their lungs and all those things. So sometimes with our natural eyes, we look at things and say, man, that's blessed. People left this church and doing their own thing, and they're not falling into destruction. They look blessed. But the blessings of the Lord does not mean that God is inhabiting that place. It does not mean that God is in it. Come on, let's not be deceived, man, and you will reap what you sow. Every single person that has walked through these doors and decided to do that will reap what they sow, even if it takes 20, 30, 40, 50 years. It's not up to us. It's up to God. But you, we know that the principle is in the Bible. You will reap what you sow. Sow good things. Receive the inheritance that the Lord has for you in this place. Discern, discern, discern. I shared something on Facebook the other day from Spurgeon that said discernment is not figuring out what is right from wrong. It's figuring out what is right and almost right. Come on, you got the Holy Spirit inside of you. You don't need to be confused. And a lot of times I've seen when people start going this way, they get a group of people around them to scratch their little itchy ears that feel the same way exactly that they do. Listen, you guys are spiritually uh, alert enough to, go, to know who to go to when you're dealing with things. And you are spiritually alert enough to know who you don't go to. Because you're going to find some people that are like, oh, you felt that way? I felt that way too. I didn't really like it. And all of a sudden, you got a whole group of, of people that are gossip, slanders, and feel the same way that you do and are not going to challenge you, are not going to make you feel convicted. They're going to make you feel real good where you're at. Because we're not the problem. It has to be them. If all of us feel like this, it has to be them. It's a deception. Deception, deception. And the thing about deception is it's deceiving. <laughs> very, very deceiving. But you guys don't have to fall for the traps. And we've seen too many people fall for them. Lawrence, if you can come to the keys. We have seen too many people fall for the traps. God has given you everything that you need for life and godliness. 
God has given you good leaders that love you, that fear God. We don't want to just control your life. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy that come in your mind. We are not here to control your life. We are here to raise up an army that will go and be the light to this wicked, wicked generation. And we have been through things ourselves. So the lessons that we are teaching you, the things that we are giving you come from a place of learning ourselves. I used to sit in these seats. I used to be in the chapels. I used to be listening to the preachers speak into my life. God has given you the gifts of the Spirit. One of them is discernment. To be able to discern right from almost right. To be able to discern when someone has the fear of man. When they have pride. I'm telling you, pride has like a stench to it. And it's weird because it's like, man, I smell pride from like a mile away. But it's like a smelling from my spirit. It's weird. Anyways. It's like, man, I can see that pride so quick. I could smell it all over that person, man. Come on, God will give that to you. He will warn you, stay away from that. That's a gossip. That's a busybody. That's a this. You'll start calling out those spirits, man. And instead of taking part in it, you could tell the person, hey, you deal with gossip. Because I feel like you're gossiping right now. I'm telling you, that will put someone straight real quick. You will embarrass that thing so quickly. But they'll know better. They'll know better than to come to you. Number four, you have the armor of God. It's not defective. Put it all on. Don't put one part down and only take one part. You need your armor. You are a soldier in the army of the living God. And you are fighting the fights of faith. And you are fighting against things that maybe we don't even see in the spiritual realm. But they are there. And you are the light of the world, the salt of the earth, a city on a hill. Let your light shine for Jesus. Amen. Would you please stand to your feet? I want to read Psalm 1 over you this afternoon. The Bible says in Psalms 1, Psalm 1, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Listen, if your delight is in the law of the Lord and you are constantly meditating on the things of God, you're not going to be trapped. He won't be able to get you. You'll be able to see it. That person that does that is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that a wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Come on, the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. Do I have any righteous students in this place? Come on, lift your hands. Let's lift our hands, Jesus. Come on, we want to be planted like a tree beside streams of living water. Jesus, 
We want to be righteous. Jesus, we want to be discerning. Jesus, we want to be full of the gifts of the Spirit so that we are able to discern, oh God, what's coming our way. So we're able to discern when people speak and we need to call it out. Oh God, our, our discernment is not only for the world to see that things are wicked, it's for in the church, oh God. And I pray that every student in this room will set things in order. And they're in their own little circles, God, their circle of friends, their circle of influence, oh God, that they would set things in order, that they would call things out when they see it. Lord, so that we can help our brothers and sisters not be trapped by the enemy, oh God.